0: Little, frosty, red leather, yellow leather, unique New York, unique New York.
1: Unique New York a unicorn.
0: Welcome to the Find and Follow podcast where we believe life is in the light, spiritual darkness is the enemy, and finding and following Jesus is the best way to live life. I'm Scott Langhand, your host, joined by the extraordinary co-host crew. As always, Craig and Kyle are here and present um before we get too far into what we normally talk about I was reminiscing a little bit because the old Gonzaga Bulldogs are number one in the nation isn't that just
2: cool the only undefeated team
0: yeah because they're really good they're they like are way really better good. than
2: the other teams
0: and they <laughs> went number one in the it's opinion poll and I always give that a little bit of it doesn't mean anything. an opinion you always have an opinion about the opinion poll. yeah here's my opinion the opinion poll, the rankings, it doesn't mean anything until about January, is what I always say. Like preseason number one, who knows really what the team's going to be in early, early December. Uh. Yeah, too early. But by January, I'm like, OK, we've got enough basketball. But the Zags were preseason number one. Wire to wire. Number one every single week, ended number one, undefeated. Um, they, they got a legit shot at doing something awesome this year in basketball. So yep. again. Extending the invitation to everybody who is casual, sports fan, basketball fan.
1: You're going you're to want to jump on this year. So I'm not as much of a basketball enthusiast as either one of you guys is, um, but um, I'm very impressed with the team this year and their record. I have a question for you. So um, there's no question they're a number one team. They're a, a really good team, yep. probably the best in the nation. But their undefeated record, would that be different if they were up against different schools during the course of the regular season? Like, if they played some schools outside of their...
0: Well, the first seven games, they played four ranked teams and beat them all. Um, and that's never been done before in the history of college basketball. Okay. So, do, your question basically is, do they play legit people? Is there a chance for them to lose? Yeah. They, they played. They had a COVID break in December and were off for, like, two weeks. They came back, played the number three team at the time, Iowa, and just creamed them. Iowa has... Probably the player of the year in the nation in Garza, and so they came back. Shut and him, him down. They yeah. shut him down.
1: What's this the other is the team that was undefeated uh, until just this last week? Baylor. Baylor. So we were supposed to play
2: Baylor in our preseason. So again, yeah. have and they played
1: Baylor yet? No, they. No. That was
2: from COVID. They tried to reschedule it. Never worked out. Gotcha. Although a few said like last week, he's like, "Hey, don't put it past me to try to schedule a few what, games today, tomorrow." Yeah, like, like <laughs> last week after they ended the season. I know, like, but their game is next. Monday. I think he just said it kind of just to to stir the pot. Yeah. yeah. But
0: no, but he would play. Oh yeah. If someone's like, well, "We're in North, you know, North Carolina. We're in town today. You want to play Mark?" He's like, "Yeah, we're yeah, there." Let's do it. Uh, but game. that
2: that's that tends to be the knock, right? People say, "Oh, the WCC, it's a joke of a conference. They're playing And a I'm lot not saying that less. that's true. I'm yeah. just asking
1: the question because I don't know.
2: But again, they do one of the hardest non-conference schedules pre and and again, pre that's another one of the knock that people say, "Well, pre, it's it's they're playing them in January, you know, they didn't play Iowa in the middle of the year, but again, I have this conversation every Friday, my dad and I go skiing with my buddy Kenny, <laughs> and my dad's a fan, but he's kind of a pessimist when it comes to sports. He's always naysaying on the Seahawks, and he's- he, he's he
1: cynical? He, yeah, he's, he's
2: on the wagon, but he's always got something bad to say. So every Friday, we have a, like a debrief of the Thursday game. Okay. And Kenny is sitting in the back, who's not a basketball fan, And he's always
0: like, "Kenny's just an arguer." Yes, so he likes to jump in on anything. But he he thinks it's funny because
2: he's like, "Did you guys watch the same game?" Because I'll be like, "Man, they look so good, man." It's like, "Oh, they look terrible. They're beatable." (laughs) If they just figured and like, we had these two perspectives, and so he's like, "I get it. They're a good team, but I mean, did you see Michigan last night?" And did you? I'm like, "Did you watch them shut down Garza?" Everyone's all on Garza about like, and he's a phenomenal player. Yeah, but we double teamed him and shut him down. And it wasn't an issue. No. And there's a lot of teams in the country who can't do that. And so, yeah, I think they they got a great team. They did play a really, really good non-conference early schedule. And there are some teams in the WCC that are really good this year. Uh, yeah, I mean we. Can
1: hey, take if you're h- if you're one of our listeners right now, just make a note to yourself. If you want to get Scott and Kyle going, just ask them about um, college basketball.
0: Pretty pretty intense. i watched. <laughs> I literally watch almost every single minute of yep. the Zag season. I don't think I have missed a minute. This like year. I watch Baylor games to see how they look, and I watch parts of Michigan and Illinois and see how they, i mean watching Texas Tech, and yeah. It's my jam. I'll watch college basketball, not football. I don't watch college football, but basketball, I'm in. But,
2: but here's the thing. I'm going <laughs> to just go a little further on your comment because I'm defending. And this I'm is defending. not where I was going, by the I way. I know, and but I still I have
1: g- another spot I was trying to get to. <laughs> and the longer you talk, the more you illustrate my point. But go ahead. Because, like,
2: Mondays, they do, they do basically a scrimmage against themselves. And when they're playing on Mondays against each other, they're playing the second-best team in their conference. Or the nation. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it's close. Pay- their second string is the second best team in their conference, for sure. I, I, and I've probably within the top 25. We have, starter, don't know
0: we have starters from Florida that come to sit on the bench. Yeah. Like yeah. Nimhart, the, the, he the transferred, and he was a starter for two years at the University of Florida, which is a great basketball program, to come sit on the bench at Gonzaga.
1: Isn't that one like, of the big reasons that they're so good this year is the bench is so deep with really – it, really their bench is always stream. pretty
2: deep. They're, they're not that big on the, in, the, um, in, the, in the big guys. We don't have a lot of. They're playing the best team basketball,
0: maybe in the history of Gonzaga basketball. I think Coach Few, he's talked about it. They, as a team, they play exceptionally well. Individually, there's no one that like, ultra stands out. There's no one that just super athletic just or just the superstar. It's not exceptional the Exceptional teamwork. The, the teamwork. Plus, they're all really high-level players, and then they're playing at a high level as team ball, which basketball's a team sport. Uh, contrary to when you watch an NBA game and it's like one-on-five and it's isolation game with LeBron and anyways. People I, I, I have this conversation shot, shot. with my dad. He's like,
2: "Oh yeah, well, guards. Did you see? He's like thirty points a game." I'm like, "Yeah, but we got three guys who scored over twenty points that game, yeah. right?" So it's like. If Kispert had to carry the whole team on his back, he might be scoring 30 points a game. Yeah. But he doesn't have to. And then we, I mean, uh, there was a point early on in, in the year that we literally had three guys almost at 20 points per game, which is outrageous. Yeah. And what does next year and,
1: look like with
2: uh,
0: guys that are well, likely don't, to we get... Can't, don't ask that question. We'll have, we'll have <laughs> to have a, let's <laughs> yeah. start a new podcast oh, yeah. that just is commentary. Welcome
2: <laughs> to the Zag Basketball Podcast. <laughs>
0: like, the, uh, last week, there was four Gonzaga Bulldogs that were starting in the NBA one night. Olenek, Clark, Hachimura, and...
2: It's a bonus.
0: It's a bonus. All-star, bro. Yeah, I know. No, I think the game... There wasn't... Anyways. Yeah.
2: What was your second question? Getting off the... No, so I was... uh,
0: Gonzaga, maybe they end of the season, chance to win the whole... Like, they're number one. Everybody's picking them to win the national championship. If you're not, it's because you just want to be controversy, you know, guy on the radio. or You want to be TV. Kyle's dad. You just want to get clicks <laughs> on your blog or something, like, you know what I mean? Or you're a homer, and you're like, oh, my team's going to win. And then the other, the other thing was, like, last year, ridiculous, the tournament got canceled. Yeah. But they had a legit shot to win last year. So I was thinking about it. Where were we when they were in the national championship game in 2017? Colombia and almost beat North Carolina, it yes. came down oh, to the last right. little we second. Were.
2: I remember watching it in a, in a hotel room. I and remember uh, that, too.
0: We were, on, we were on a flight from Houston to Bogota. For the Final Four. For the Final Four. They were, the flight was like running late, so they were super gracious. The airlines gave us like free TV yep. for the, f- and, and so until we got like out of in, you know, in the international waters, we watched. We watched like, like through the, half. Through half or through the end f- the third quarter for the final four game on flight. And then Monday, we were doing our ministry and seeing kids with compassion, and we're in a small town in outside of, you know, rural, basically, Colombia and we're trying to tell our translators, we have to get back (laughs) and watch this college basketball game, and they were like, huh? No, it's really, really big. It's for us, it's huge, and they're like, basketball? And so we were trying to connect it to soccer. I remember trying to tell the translators, it's like the World Cup, okay, so if (laughs) like, Think about if if uh Colombia was like going against Venezuela in the World Cup finals, like would you wanna watch They're like, Okay, I get that. Like, that's us. We need to
2: go. <laughs> I remember just being like, it. Can you figure out what channel it's on? I remember asking <laughs> yeah. him, Hey, do you know ESPN yeah. or something? Can we get this? We get do we have it? to buy something? What do we need to do? Yes. And he went Yeah, I think we got it. I think it's on this channel we'll figured out. I think the hotel has that. Yeah. I think you'll be fine and, and you're good to go with this channel. And so we we're like and yeah, I, I still have pictures of it on my phone of all of us packed into your hotel room. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> watching the Zags. And and there was a bunch win. of us on I'd the team. i forgot forgotten about that. We
0: went to the store, bought special snacks and, like, yep. candies oh, yeah. and treats. Oh, yeah. And we made this party as we're ministering to churches and Colombians and meeting them and seeing our Compassion Kids that we're sponsoring and all that kind of – but right in the middle of that trip, we're like, but we got the Zags game, national champions. That's right. And it was – the English broadcast and you could hear it in the background and then just Spanish translator commentators dubbed over the top and so they'd interview Mark Few and you'd hear Mark talking English and then some guy in Spanish and um that was our national championship I experience all about crammed that. into a hotel room yep uh, great experience loving, bummer loving that people they lost, helping people but. find and follow Jesus in in Colombia yeah Colombia
1: yeah helping uh uh uh, Compassion Project, get off the ground. Maybe we uh, should go back we, this year. We Maybe we can recreate it. What's we that? go back
2: this year while they in the national championship and watch it in Columbia. Again. Yeah, I don't know who booked that trip, but the, he did not look at the basketball schedule. <laughs> was <a> I <laughs> remember believe- figuring it out going, bro, we're leaving during the Final Four? If
0: they make it, like, what's that? Yeah. It just what worked out, it was a spring break. Yep. So it worked out for, like, some people – schedule uh, yeah worked work out for yeah. yeah. my wife students yeah your wife was i there remember
2: i remember landing in columbia and ken rablin had data through his work he had paid for the international roaming i remember that and so we watched the first half and they were doing really well and i remember landing he connected to international data and oh, goes really? guys we won and i was like yeah <laughs> yeah super fun yeah that trip was great people
0: like there was a couple of people who had never been on an airplane or one time on an airplane in their life. Lots of people had never really even been out of their, the state or the region, uh, let alone out of the country, um, just seeing what God's up to around the world. I remember hearing some people's personal stories of like, oh, whoa, blowing my mind here. Yeah. Uh, it was a fun, fun trip. So anyways, I, yeah, that's why I was thinking about Zags and national championship, potential win it all. And we were in Colombia and. So that's kind of my segue to get, try to get us back to John and Jesus. So are we
1: going to finish out this podcast in Spanish? Is that where, where you're going with this? Oh,
0: man. Solamente en español? Sí. Vamos a hablar Vamos en español. Kyle? Come no. on,
1: Kyle. Sí? <laughs> uh, Craig could carry it. Juan, capítulo 19, versículo 17. John, 1917. That's kind of where we left off the last okay. time we were in John. And so if you're
0: still listening through the Zags and the Spanish, <laughs> welcome back. Here we are. Some exactly. Are, we lost half our viewership. People are skipping forward. Uh, we did. We left off in talking about Jesus uh, completing the mission of going to the cross, the crucifixion. And we talked a couple, two podcasts ago, just about the intensity of this moment, the, the gravity of the moment and how significant it is. And John is saying, hey, I'm an eyewitness to all of this going down. Um, but it's, so it's, hopefully you're, you're ready for it. If you haven't been listening along, we're talking about the crucifixion, which we talked about before It's kind of like, you got to be a little bit more emotionally ready to, you just pop. We
2: we started with the zags, you know, and now we're going to go in deep (laughs) (laughs) death of Jesus.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't know how you get there, but we, we tried. I tried. Buckle up. But. Yeah, so we're, we're in John 19, and um, you know, just again with the podcast, just this week hearing lots of good, good feedback from folks from all around the region, and it's way greater than Mission Church or what we're doing here, but just really helping people to connect with who Jesus is, who He really is in their life, and what He can do in their life. And I, for us locally, we're see, seeing a season of flourishing I don't know if that's the right word, but flourishing, people reconnecting, reengaging. People just going, I'm shaking off the 2020 funk and being more purposeful in my life and just kind of not riding the, the train of, of, you know, just whatever the society is doing, you know, and kind of that funk that we all experience and just the, the staleness that we all have experienced of like riding in neutral and just kind of waiting for whatever to happen or not happen. Um, so we're in the season, I think, that's really encouraging to me. Um, for people just re engaging, reconnecting with who God is. And um, some of them are listening in on the podcast, and um, it's just fun to hear. So, on that, I did throw out a couple of weeks ago if you got ideas of where we're going next, uh, we've got a couple more weeks here in John, John 19, 20, and 21. Um, and so, heard some feedback. But if you got an idea of where, where we should go next that would be helpful for you in knowing about who Christ is and what he can do in our lives, uh, hit me up. Shoot me a text or shoot me an email, scott at mc.life. But anyways, back to John 19, crucifixion. And um, I love this this way that it kind of goes down where the truth of God comes from the mouth of Pilate, who is not a God-fearing person. And he just says in verse 14 to the Jews, he goes, Here's your king, which is 100% true. But he doesn't believe it,
1: and they don't believe and it.
0: They don't believe it. They push back and they say, "Take, you know, they're like, he's not our king. We're gonna crucify him. Just take him away," and and then they say, "We have no king but Caesar." I'm sorry, what? The Jewish people have no king but Caesar? What is going on there, Craig? What do you think?
1: They're just saying the thing that they know that um, Pilate wants to hear. In order to get what they want, they don't acknowledge Caesar at all. The Jewish people had no respect. They had contempt for Caesar because of the oppression they lived under. They're just saying this because it's expedient in the moment to get where they want to go with, with what's playing out. Yeah. But this is like the whole crux of the whole thing
0: is, is Jesus your king? And here's Pilate's declaration. Here's the Jews' declaration. And then there's a bunch of people witnessing this, that Jesus is their king, and they're silent in the midst of all this. And
1: and just to fast forward a little bit, uh, we'll come back to the the actual crucifixion. But then it says in verse 19, Pilate writes an inscription and put it on the cross, and it was Jesus the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. Well, the Jews were furious over that. It's like, no, wrong thing to put up there, Pilate. And they appealed to him and said, hey, we want you to put, he said that he was king of the Jews. And Pilate, said, hey, what I wrote, I wrote. Deal with it. And he left it. Yeah. And, and he again, wrote it's it poignant.
0: Yeah, and he wrote it in three languages, all of the common languages of the area, Aramaic, Latin, and Greek, so that anybody walking by could read it and could read, here's the king. Right? Yep. I mean, that's that's the power of God at work through everybody, you know? Like God uses so many people and so many different things more than we realize, and he's using uh, a Roman official here to declare the king is here, and this is what Jesus is doing, is he's going to the cross for everybody because he loves them so much.
2: Yeah. But there's there's so much going on here that's, and, and I think even these nuances that we're seeing with the language and the, I mean, there's there's political issues, there's religious issues, and there's a really depth of all these things going on with, you know, the Jews having this this perception of what's going on with, what Jesus is claiming, um, what Pilate's doing is he's leading these people, you know, politically, and these, like, this tension and this dichotomy of all of this stuff coming together, and it's confusing, right, for a lot of us to go, like, wait, what is happening, and what is the significance of Pilate saying this, or Mm -hmm. releasing this, or the Jews claiming this, but the depth of what Jesus is doing holistically, I think, is the beautiful picture of it, is that, um, his, his life, death, and resurrection is so much bigger than this political system, than this religious system, than life itself. It's just, I, I, I mean, the, the, the deeper you dive into this, you, you just see um, how Jesus is rising above some of those things, the political system, the you religious know, to your, system. To your
1: point, Kyle, um, there, there are all those layers going on as this is playing out, the, the religious dynamics and the political dynamics. And then there's a, a, there are a lot of egos involved, uh, personal agendas, um, people wanting what they want in the moment, and and insecurities. But then the, the most important layer is what's going on spiritually. It's yeah. God doing what had to be done for the redemption of the human race. And uh, sometimes, you know, well, the disciples didn't realize that. They, they, they couldn't possibly have understood that at this point in their journey, um, and, and they're disillusioned by it. And I. I think that helps us just think through some of the stuff we go through. We're having an emotional response. There's a, an economic dynamic going on. Like in this pandemic, there's a, a political dynamic going on. There's yep. a religious dynamic going on. I and mean, all those things are real and they're in play, but underlying all of that is the most important layer, the most important dynamic, and that's spiritually. What's God doing? And that's one of the things I love about 2020 is that the pandemic slowed down our schools and our economy and affected politics, but it didn't slow the kingdom down not one bit.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, it didn't catch God off guard. And neither did this moment. The moment of the crucifixion and the resurrection was God's plan from the beginning.
1: From the beginning, from before the the beginning. Before
0: the creation of the world, his plan was to send Christ because he knew, he knew, you know, us creating the image of God, but then we're going to try to choose Uh, our own way and choose to be, try to be God ourselves and determine what is good and evil and have our own sense of justice. And, and we're not qualified to, to choose what is good and evil. And then I love even in here, and John captures a few of them where there's, there's dozens of prophecies and predictions that were hundreds and if not thousands of years earlier that come true in this moment. And so like one of them was, uh, where am I at here? Verse 36, verse 36 so after, after they'd hung on the cross, um, the Jews didn't want the, the criminals, and Jesus, again, falsely accused, being sentenced as a criminal, even though he wasn't, hanging with two other criminals. So they wanted to break their bones so that they would die quicker, because crucifixion, you basically die from
1: asphyxiation. It's a slow and agonizing, yeah. horrible form of capital punishment. You're just
0: hanging there and you just run out of air. You just run out of lungs. And so if you break their legs, then they're not able to push themselves up and catch breath.
1: Yeah, more specifically, they had to actually push on the nails that were through their feet to push up, take pressure off the lungs to get a breath, and then collapse back down in pain, then push up, and after a while, they just couldn't do that anymore. They
0: just run out, and so they go to the first guy, break his legs so that he dies because he's not able to breathe. They go to the second guy, break his legs, and then they come to Christ, and he's already given up his spirit and has finished his work because he's in charge, regardless of what anybody else thinks, uh, who's in charge, but he's in charge. So he gave up his spirit to accomplish the mission. And so they found him to already be dead and did not break his bone, which in verse 36 says, um, these things happen so that the scripture would be, would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken.
1: And, and then that, again, the next verse. Yeah.
0: But the yeah, that they pierced his side. There's, there's like, a, I don't know, a dozen or more that are just even right here between all the Gospels of predictions of just the death and how that's going to go down and that they cast lots for his clothes, all that kind of stuff. But the broken bones one is a reference back to the Passover, is which they're at. The Jews are having the bodies taken down because they don't want, them, they don't want dead, dead people hanging during the Passover, which is this most sacred of right. Sabbaths in the entire year. To celebrate the deliverance of the israelites out of egypt and the angel of death that passed over uh, all of egypt but the people were spared by having blood put on wood cross posts you know the door frame but yep. like there was some shed blood of a lamb that was put on some uh wood some door frames right and that you couldn't break the bone of the lamb and you had this whole thing well why is that did the lamb save them no i mean god's it's, it's all grace foreshadowing, and, gra- grace and mercy, but it's all foreshadowing to point to this mm-hmm. moment that whatever that was, fifteen or seventeen hundred years
1: before. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm not really always Exodus great Exodus is about fifteen hundred.
0: Yeah, fifteen hundred years before. Mm-hmm. Why was that done? In every uh, um, Passover that came around every single year, that they would have this as perfect as it could be lamb with unbroken bones. It's because it foreshadowed Christ, and for the Jewish people and Jesus just had the meal uh, in preparation for the Sabbath with them, and instituted um, this new thing called the Lord's Supper, and it replaced the the symbols of the wine cups at Passover, and now Jesus' blood is for the forgiveness of all sin. And so there's just this, even in this one verse in, in John, it's saying, hey, they went to Jesus, and these Romans were fulfilling God's plan, even though they probably weren't God-fearing people or believers in Christ, they could have just easily chosen to like break his leg, right? But they didn't. Because why? Because God's in control.
1: Because the sovereign God because is God's in control. Because
0: God's got a plan. Yep. Regardless of what humans think they're doing, God's in charge. And he's unfolding something that's happening. And so I love how John captures numbers of those. And it just is like, there's evidence. That's stuff that's been written down passed along for hundreds and thousands of years. Again, I'm not the best at the apologetics on this, but Christ fulfilled like... The historicity? Yeah, the 400 prophecies, or 350 to 400 prophecies that were for hundreds of years and recorded. Like, He came and fulfilled them, how He was born, that He came out of Egypt because they escaped, and all the symbolism and everything God's doing. The whole Bible is one story that leads to Jesus.
2: Yep. And I I love even verse 35, just uh, John's little add-on there. Like, hey, Trust me, is, that, is, it is what I read. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you also can believe. I'm assuming John's talking about himself there. I think so. Because John does that a lot. <laughs> where he's like, this dude is awesome, <laughs> and Jesus really likes him. Oh, yeah, it's Yo, me. Check me
1: out. <laughs> yeah, but He he's talks like, about himself in third person.
2: <laughs> right? I was there. Like This isn't just... This is an eyewitness account. These are these are things that you can take to the bank, and Scott, you just referenced it, this idea that um, this isn't just something I heard, or hearsay, or we played the telephone game for a while, and then this is what came out, right? And I think this is some people's, maybe, uh, a hurdle for them in, in coming to faith in Christ is like, yeah, this sounds really out there, and all this stuff happens, and, and we read these gospels, and they all have the exact same account, but historically accurate accounts that are also recorded other places in history, not just the Gospels, but John's going, hey, I was there. I'm not just making this up to sound cool, not writing another Star Wars story, right? Like, I was there. This is how it happened. And, like, you would think I wrote this based off, I, I almost think, to your point, Scott, he's like, yeah, I read Isaiah, and I read some of these Old Testament prophecies, and I just put together, this is what happened with Jesus. No, this is what I saw. Oh, and by the way, it's exactly what God foretold. Thousands of years ago. Yeah.
1: And go ahead. Did you well, I, I I just want us to rewind a little bit here. We've moved on in the chapter a bit, yeah. but you know, just verse eighteen. It, it just for me, it's just a a, a a a moment to pause and and just let it sink in. There they crucified him, and with him, two other men, one on either side, and Jesus in between. And the two men were criminals, thieves, the Gospels tell us. And here the creator of the universe is hanging on a cross in between two criminals. I mean, what what a scene. What a moment in human history. And, and who would do that? Well, the answer is the one who loves us the most. Who, who created us and is wanting to be uh, our redeemer. Um, it's just... It's, it's the ultimate demonstration of love. No greater love. Jesus himself said that. No greater love has anyone for anybody else than to lay down your life for your friends. And that's what's happening right there. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. Super powerful.
0: And what, what is recorded for us that happens in those couple hours as they're hanging there, um, one of them is that one of the criminals gets to be in paradise with Jesus.
1: Yeah, he's redeeming people right up to the last. Yeah,
0: and <laughs> Jesus is there unjust and falsely accused, but the guy next to him is 100% guilty, as mm-hmm. far as we know, right?
1: Well, they said that about themselves, both thieves. Like, they, yeah, we're guilty.
0: Yeah, we're guilty. Like, there's no need to cover it up now. Like, We're it's getting what down. we deserve. <laughs> yeah, and in that moment, Christ's compassion and concern for others, and the whole point, like Craig, you're saying is, He's doing this for us, for redemption, for the entire world, and for all of the image bearers of, God's to ha- uh, of God to have restoration. Mm-hmm. And he goes, hey, this yeah. guy has this revelation moment. Like, no, wait, I think you really are the Christ, and you have something to offer that nobody else. And Jesus says, right on, buddy. Today yeah. you're going to be with me in paradise.
1: You know, our good friend Bob wrote a book called Love Does. You know, Bob Goff. And uh, I like
0: how you went good friend. Yeah, a good friend. Oh, I well, just he, go friend usually. You're, well, he, you're pretty tight. I have some good other friends.
1: Friend. He's a good friend. He's a good friend. <laughs> I have some bad friends. <laughs> I do have My some bad friends. My bad, guy. bad, but, bad but, friends got. you know, and it's such a powerful reminder and such a, a biblical truth that you know love is 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 not just in word only. It is in word, but it's not in word only. It is in action, and so that's his point. Love does, and as I think about this moment, I realize it's also true to say or accurate to say, love did. Yeah, this is the ultimate expression of love in action, as He is there on the cross. Yeah,
0: and I love how the guy gets to jump in on that at the last minute. I mean, mm. it just really emphasizes the point of God's grace and mercy to each one of us. And there's nothing I can do to work myself into right standing with God, because what did this guy do in his life? To you know, he's dying next to Jesus, and he gets to be in paradise. Yep, and he didn't do anything to quote unquote deserve it. Um, it's all about the forgiveness of sin through Christ and God's grace and mercy. And it just, for me, like, how does the crucifixion hit me every day? This is part of it, it's the compassion of Christ and it's because of his work and it has nothing to do with my work and my, you know, lineage or uh, religious history or family history or what I've done good works. It's like, oh no, it's the work of the perfect sacrifice that foreshadowed, right, the lamb, You know of uh, Passover. I keep trying to say Pentecost. I keep getting hung up my own brain. That's coming after. That's coming up next. Give give him a sec. But of Passover and the need for forgiveness of sin and um, how people are just waiting for this moment, waiting. So, I was going to point out the other thing of of how, like, in the middle of the, the crucifixion is happening, how loving Christ is, where he has this interaction with his mom.
1: I was going to go there next. So okay. Go, go ahead. You got it. No, I was, I was going to actually No, say no it. I was going to go Actually,
0: there. I think my mom was going to go there last week she on the was. podcast, <laughs> and we just ran out of time.
1: Yeah. Well, go uh, ahead. It's a great moment.
0: But it's good. It's just this point of, of Jesus is, is fully human, fully God, and in this moment of suffering and agony and taking on the sin of the world beyond, like, the physical pain and suffering, the weight of the sin of the world. He's taking care of his mom. Presumably, Joseph had passed already and wasn't around to care for Mary. And so, uh, Jesus saw his mother, the verse 26, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, again, John's term for
2: himself. That awesome dude that was hanging out, really handsome <laughs> guy. That <laughs> yeah, good-looking, tall,
0: broad-shouldered, like pretty Gift, well Gifted, gifted, gifted guy, individual. Gifted guy. <laughs> oh, there's something awesome in, in chapter 20 I can't wait to get to, too, on, on that note. But anyways... So he saw, he, saw, he saw his mom and he saw John standing nearby. And he said to his mom, dear, dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. And so it's this moment of like, I'm caring for my mom through the, through, through the rest of this. Like, okay, John, you have the responsibility. It's over to you to really care for her, provide for her needs, make sure she's taken care of that you guys not only family, like we would say in, in, in Jesus, we're brothers and sisters, but even more than that, like real um, practically that you're going to take care of her needs and you yep. are literally like mother and son now.
1: So one of the things I like to point out when, when I consider that and I'm talking with people about that moment that he has with his mother and with John is just the presence of mind that he has and the focus on others, like, like you pointed out with the thief on, on the cross next to him. Uh, in both these instances, I mean, he, Jesus is experiencing unimaginable, unthinkable, incomprehensible suffering, not only physically, but spiritually, yeah. the sin of the world is on him. And yet, despite all that that he's going through, he has a presence of mind to care about the thief on the cross, to care about John, to care about his mother. And and that's just, to me, an amazing demonstration of uh, of who Jesus is and his his commitment to to other people, he's he's doing all of what he's doing on the cross already for everyone else, for the entire human race, and then has the presence of mind to make it personal for the thief, for his mom, for John, and, and I just think that's you know an amazing thing about Jesus, and it also leads me to this. So these are two of seven statements that he makes while he's hanging on the cross. If you're if you're listening and want to do a fun little study, uh, get the different gospels out and read through and pick out, make a list of the seven things that he says while he's on the cross. And one of them is, today you'll be with me in paradise, the thief. Uh, This instance here with John and his mother. And then um, one of the things he says is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's his um, agony spiritually at being separated from the Father for the one and only time ever in eternity. And it's during that that few hours that he's hanging on the cross and he's become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ and, and that separation he's experiencing caused physical darkness for about three hours. It tells us, and Jesus is just like, what's going on? Never been separated from the father. Father and I are one. He says in another place in John, and now he's feeling anything but oneness and, and why? Well, we're the reason why. Mm-hmm. And he's willing to endure that, and then he says several other things. I thirst, and then uh, finally, the last thing is it is finished. So there's a couple others there. You can search. I was with, say you almost
2: just gave him the list. People wanted to get. I was the paper gonna say out. I thought you were going all seven. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was just gonna speak to that because I think it's interesting to me the things that, and we've talked a little bit about this. The thing that the things that John points out in his gospel, because. This crucifixion part here is, is a little more slim than the other synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke talk a little bit more about you know some of those experiences, some of what's happening around um, the things that he's communicating to people around, the way that they're talking. But this interaction, again, I think goes to the depth of John's relationship with Jesus and the things that are important. He still gets the whole story. He's not missing pieces, but the things that he's pointing out, that were important to him in his eyewitness account. Correct. And they're specific to the, this relational dynamic that he had with Jesus, this loving, again, relational thing. You know, he's not, he's not penning the, okay, and then this happened. Oh, and then, you know, the second later this happened, which some of the gospel writers, Luke specifically, is a lot more, he's a writer, right? So it's a lot more, like, dictated exactly what happened, right. when it happened, how it happened. Luke's J- a
0: doctor, so he's going to be more detailed. Yeah. You know, to try to really gross generalize it. Like, John's more of a feeler, probably, yep. and he's more of just like, let's just be creative writing on this. And Luke's a detailed doctor. And yep. John doesn't record, like, how did Jesus get abused and uh, beaten and uh, persecuted before he went to the cross? Yep. Like, John doesn't record
1: that. And, and John writes quite a bit after the other three gospels are written. And he's writing for a specific purpose. Uh, well, lots of reasons, of course, but, but one of his main reasons for writing what he does is to counteract uh, a, a doctrinal problem that was by that time very prevalent, and that's Gnosticism. The whole idea that he's not fully God, fully man, that he wasn't God in human flesh. It was being undermined, that, that truth that he is fully God and fully man, being undermined by the Gnostic teachers. And John's like, no, you guys got it all wrong. Let me tell you, I was there, I witnessed it. Here's what actually happened. And he, so he picks and chooses the things he does in part because he wants them to realize no, this is really a human being. Back wow. to my list of four or seven like, things. Four of them are right here in this chapter.
0: Yeah, like on verse 34, where John says there was a sudden flow of blood and water after they pierced his side. He was real, flesh and blood.
1: Correct. That's one of the he reasons. Wasn't he
0: wasn't just a ghost, yep. he wasn't just a spiritual being. Right. That's right. why. Mm-hmm. There was bodily fluids coming out, it yep. was a real crucifixion that happened. Correct. So one of the things, too, that is is here that I, I find interesting and maybe helpful, I think, for us, is verse 38, after the crucifixion and everybody's dead, um, they got to they clean up. And so later, Joseph of Arimathea as Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because he feared the Jews, and he was... Like he hadn't come Jewish, out of the closet. As he was a, a Jewish leader. Yeah. So it wasn't just a regular Joe. He was.
1: Eh, regular Joe? I see what you see did
0: there. See what he there. did there, yeah. Oh, well, that was unintentional, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it totally was. Anyways. Joe so, of Arimathea. Yeah, so, but with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus,
2: who we. Yeah, I was trying to remember. Did you point this out?
1: Yeah. Okay. Long time like,
0: ago. Refer it back to episodes. Episode uh, uh, 20 episodes ago. The, Whenever we're in chapter yep. 3. Yep, Because Nicodemus, Nick at night, is it, how it, I remember that. Yep, Nick at night, Nick and at night regular in, Joe. in regular Joe. Uh, chapter 3, where Nicodemus is real curious about Jesus. And then in chapter 7, we see Nicodemus kind of coming to faith in Christ, right, being reborn. They have that conversation in 3. In 7, where Jesus is getting some pressure, and he's sticking up for Jesus, saying, Hey, wait a minute, time out here, what's going on? And we talked about that when we were there. And then here, he's like, I'm jumping in. So we see we see him kind of his spiritual journey just in three quick snapshots. Yep, belief and born again, begin to follow and grow faith, and now he's all in where he's showing up. My question that maybe is helpful for us: Where's Peter, James, and John? Where are the rest of the disciples? Why aren't they the ones asking for the body to bury him and take care of him?
1: Because they're having a crisis of faith, literally, and they've been scattered. They they went home. Um, they they. You know, Peter denied him three times, felt horrible about that, was ashamed. They're all disillusioned by this. Um, you notice, now John's there at the cross, uh, but no mention of the other disciples. So, but there's quite a few women, mm-hmm. uh, Mary, Mary's sister, Mary Magdalene, um, and apparently some others as well. But, yeah. but only John is mentioned as one of the 12, well, the 11 at that point. Yeah. Um, so the, yeah. where are the others? That, They've been scattered.
0: That's the other part of it, like John doesn't record Judas' experience like the other Gospels do. But yeah, like the, the, the questioning and the faith and the doubt and when real life hits is maybe with the helpful part. Where sometimes I feel guilty or bad when I'm like, my faith's kind of weak today or in this moment. And yet here are these, this group of guys and lots of others. We tend to focus on a couple. Yeah, that, that was c- kind of my of point others. that
2: I, I think that we tend to think about. I mean, I, we said a lot, like, hey, the, the followers of Jesus are the disciples of Jesus. And most of the time in our mind or a hearer's mind, they go, oh, there's these 12 dudes. The apostles. yeah right. These 12 apostles of Jesus. We know all their names. They were called. They were fishermen. They were doctors. they were, Right. And we go there. And this points out to me, and I think we made this point when we talked about Nicodemus. We read these stories of interactions with people with Jesus, and we think they're one-off and oh, that's cool, and then Nicodemus went back to his life, right? And some people did that, They had, and we know that. Like, this guy had this conversation where Jesus left, and we never hear about him again. But there's so many people where Jesus had these interactions with them, and then they gave up their life to follow him, and yeah. he had this huge mass of followers that were men and women and, and, and children that were, like, hanging on every word he said, and some of these things, and that's why I, I like that you pointed that back out again. Nicodemus is one of those that we were like, no, he he followed jesus and there's well, these people secretly, that did this he,
1: he and and joseph are, are secret yeah in the, because they're religious leaders yeah. and they're afraid of the jews and the pressure and the persecution at, at that point at least yeah. probably not secret anymore probably not
0: nicodemus if, is coming if you're coming. the guy paying for someone else's burial and you're you know coming and yeah. saying hey i'm going to take care of this Maybe because the Jews wanted the bodies down for the Passover, you know, and he's like, all right, hey, I'll do the good deed for us, like us Jews, like wink, wink, nod, nod. But he'd been a follower. Mm -hmm. He'd heard enough about Jesus to believe. And he's doing the proper things to bury him, got a a tomb that was brand new and, you know, just followed God's plan. Whether he was conscious of it or not, he was being directed by the Spirit of God. But it just was, again, like, where do the disciples go? And we'll get to it later, but the empty tomb, like, why aren't they all standing there waiting for Jesus to come out? Because their faith is so amazing, right? Yeah. And Peter and we, we just kind of put, put just, them on too much of a pedestal. Right. It's and just I'm not, reman- I'm not trying to bring them down to, order, to elevate myself. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to humanize them and go, hey, they are human. We all That's struggle. The yep. and, and Thomas, you know, later we'll get into it more, but he's like, I need to see him in person. And Jesus is like, cool, but wow. How great for those that are listening to this podcast that will have belief without good, seeing. Without seeing, good on them, because there's yep. so much more faith in things unseen. And so, you know, if you're listening and you have moments of doubt and faith, um, don't let it sidetrack you from following Jesus. Like his closest followers had doubt and, and uh, even John with the their Baptist.
1: Faith. I mean, if anybody was praised by Jesus, it was John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. And uh, late in his life, when he was in prison, uh, not long before he was beheaded, um, he sent some of his disciples to Jesus like, you know, now I'm not so sure. So go ask Jesus, are you actually the one that I thought you were, or should we look for somebody else? Right. I'm I'm questioning. Yeah, and and that's not to to rag on John. That's just John being human. We're all human, and and the good news is not only do we have a lot of company and we can, you know, not uh, feel, you know, embarrassed or or ashamed of the fact that we have the same struggles as everybody else but the good news is God gets it. God understands that and makes allowance for our Humanity our imperfection. He knows we're on a journey. He knows we're not there yet And he's lovingly committed to help us take the next step Little by little to get where he wants us to go. You know back to your earlier point about the crowd that that was uh, surrounding Jesus It was very real the reason that he fed 5,000 and 4,000 is because there was a crowd, right? That, those yeah. people were following him, sometimes out into remote places. Um, but also in Luke chapter, I think it's Luke 10, um, there's 72 that are sent out, right? Mm-hmm. So how did he get 72 people that he would actually put in charge of min- public ministry right. going from city to city? Well, he picked 72 out of probably hundreds of options. And then later, more than that. Uh, well, it was, it was 10 in Luke 9, and 72 in Luke 10, I think. is, and, then, and But then, also, we have in um, 1 Corinthians 15, after the resurrection, he appears to 500 people that are gathered together, so there's, that's a group. And then in the upper room, there was 120.
2: Yeah,
0: it's not just three dudes or one dude. Yeah, and right.
2: that's, that's, that was back to my point. that I mean, I, I even read, and we'll read in, in verse 20, the disciples. And I think when we read that, we think of the disciples, we think of 12 dudes. And my point is, it's much bigger than that. And I I think we need to get that out of our head. I mean, there's times when Jesus is walking around with 12 guys his inner circle and then three even at at different times, and that's specific. But there was disciples of Jesus. Jesus was making disciples and and preaching and talking and teaching to thousands of people, hundreds of people that were choosing to be his disciples. Some of them had to do it a little secretly or go around and Mm, and do this kind of stuff. But there was a lot of people who were following him or he would come to a city and they would... You know, they knew that he would be there and they came to, to see him or hear him or touch him. And um, I, I think we just, the the depth and the, the width of that, I think, is, is something we need to be aware of as we read those things. Because yeah. it's really easy just to go, oh, they're just talking about the 12 guys. No, far greater. Yep. Yeah, because that's how you end up with saints and
0: idolize people and try to turn them into gods and they're not. Yep. That's right. how that happens. But back to, you know, the the comforting thing for me, I think, is, is Jesus knows we're on a journey, Craig, like you said. And we, the longer we follow, and we, I'm, I'm kind of speaking, I'm speaking for myself, but I know people, the longer we follow Jesus and we don't feel like we're quote unquote doing the right things, and we should have by now, and you kind of feel that guilt of like, oh, my faith should be stronger, or it should, I should be deeper in this area, or I should know things about the scriptures more than I should, it's been long enough, and we begin to beat ourselves up, like God's okay with us in the direction we're heading and how we're growing more than the destination and we get hung up, Correct. and again, the guy on the cross, uh, if Jesus looked at like, well, what have you done? Let's, let's yeah. weigh it out, and like, what have you done for the kingdom of God? Um, it just really highlights the crucifixion, just highlights God's forgiveness, his love, his grace, his mercy, and even these guys, I mean, how rough, how, we'll get into it more, but how rough for Peter who denied him, maybe, mm. maybe walked away when the Romans were taking the body down, maybe he was there, how did he sleep that night?
1: Not well, you know if what at mean? all,
0: because he's a snapshot right in the middle. Now, we know the end, they all of them come back around. They do amazing things for God. Their courage goes up. The spirit is in them and they are like bold and they're preaching around the world and they die for him. So, you know, Peter, is it Peter, right? That says, I don't want to. He gets crucified. Am I correct on this? It, tradition tells us. Tradition that. says like as best as we can, like don't crucify me like my savior upside down because I'm not even worthy right. to tradition. be like he was in the death. And so they, they come around and they're, they're strong and they're bold and they're courageous and they're preaching the good news. They go to jail and they sing songs about it because it's awesome. So that's the end. But like today, these next two nights, like I bet they don't sleep well at all. No. And there's, there's a loss and there is agony and their king and their savior and their friend and they, their hope and restoration for their world is just like turned upside down and it's dark. Um, but as the old saying goes, it's Friday, but Sundays, but Sundays are coming.
1: coming. Hey, so <laughs> but
0: le- they didn't know Sunday was coming. They just thought it was... But they should
1: have known. They should have they known. They, they, know. they did know.
2: know. They just didn't believe. Know, they, or they didn't
1: believe or, the or their feelings or weren't there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I, I'm just trying to say that to encourage all of us. Like, If we have those times where you're doubting, like, but where else are you going to go to find life?
1: Exactly. Where else I, I gonna know t- we're, we're running out of time here, yeah, but, but you said up. something I want to lean into, Scott. You said something about being on the right road and headed the right direction. And I I just think that bears repeating. Um, So often we do that. Well, I don't pray enough or I haven't witnessed enough or I haven't done this enough or that enough and I'm not good enough and I should be further along and all that stuff that you talked about. We, we, we get stuck in that stuff and and we we lose sight of the fact that the two most important things with, with respect to our journey are, are we on the right road going in the right direction? It's not, it's not as much about how much progress we're making or how much fruit we bear or any of that stuff. Are we on the right road and going the right direction? We talked a lot about, um, uh, here recently, about the, the road that is wide and many are on it and it leads to destruction in our, our Sunday series. Yeah. And narrow is the road and few there are that are on that, and, but that's the road that leads to life. And, and, and the point of that is, which road are you on and which way are you headed? If you're on the narrow road... That, which is the road that leads to life, that, that is the road that is uh, the road, the only road for a Christ follower, um, then, then you're good. Yeah. You know, if it takes you a little, you know, it's like heading out for, I don't know, if I'm going to walk to Coeur on the Centennial Trail. It's like, it, it doesn't matter how long and it takes. And where
0: are you to, starting
1: at? I'm going to start in Spokane here somewhere. You're going to 30 mile walk? This is sure. great. When are you doing this? I'll yeah. join. Uh, tomorrow. T- I'm in. Yeah. I'm going to probably leave around 11 p.m., you don't need to sleep, do you? We will just walk all through. No, I do
0: it. If you're doing it, I would be in. I got headlamps. <laughs> right. I got
1: gel packets. Let's all right. go. All right. Well, you be there. I got some. And, new and if shoe- I don't show, you just go ahead and go without. Me. I got some new shoes <laughs> coming tomorrow, <laughs> so it'll be great. But but you get the idea. So so if it takes me if it takes me half a day to walk that, or I walk it in a couple of hours, or or if I run it, or or if I'm on a bicycle and I do it, you know, none of that really is as important as. Am I on the right road, the centennial trail that will get me there? And am I making progress at all? Now, if I'm standing still, that's a different story. But if I'm just at some pace or another making progress, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: And all that is to say, have you found Jesus? The Jesus that loves you, forgives you, is full of grace and mercy. And are you following him? And are you following him? And that's that's what it means.
1: That's the Find and Follow podcast. That is
0: it. So good word, Craig. Thanks for wrapping it up for us. Appreciate you tuning in, joining us for another episode. Um, If you do have ideas for where we should head next in the scriptures, that would be helpful for you. Feel free to let us know, getting some ideas already. Uh, It's much appreciated, but we'll be back again shortly for hopefully some more like Gonzaga championship talk, basketball and some Jesus. You can help people find and follow Jesus by subscribing to the podcast, sharing it with some friends, and leaving a review so it's easier for others to find it.